Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am doing great. We we did it. We made it to episode 50, the big 5-0. It's a big <laughs> one. That's like huge for us, I think, because this is called the weekly build because we record weekly. So that's one a week for 50 weeks, mm-hmm. maybe a little longer because we took two or three weeks off over the last year. Just a few times where like I had work trips or one of us got sick. Couldn't and make there's it. There's a few times that like that, but but yeah, we got it. We did we did 50 and that's a pretty huge accomplishment for, you know, a couple of people with uh, ADHD. <laughs> a lot of distracting things that we're excited about to keep this going. Go us. Pat on our, our back <laughs> right, for uh, go us, go doing us. 50. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised at myself. like. I don't know. I didn't have any expectations when we went in. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, let's, it'd, it'd be nice to have a chat with someone every week who kind of gets the stuff that I work on and I'm interested in the stuff that you work on. So I was yeah, like, yeah. let's just try it. I didn't have any, I didn't know how long it might last or if it would even last. And I was like, mm, yeah, wow, we hit 50. Mm-hmm. Great. Here's to another 50. It's going good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. So what's been going on the last week? Yeah, it has been a wild week. So my book launched this week, as we talked about on the last episode. And so as we're recording this right now, it's Friday. So it's been my book launched on Tuesday. So that's, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So four days of the book launch. And it has been super exciting. Lots of very positive feedback. Um, The sales are doing really well. I'm getting Amazon reviews, which is sort of this weird, like, obviously the number one thing you want when you release a book is sales, but Mm -hmm. very, very, very close behind that is reviews. Like the best thing you can do, like if you want to show an author that you like their work and you, (laughs) anything like that, the best thing you can do after you buy the book is leave a review. And so I've been really excited getting that. I think as of right now, I have 26 reviews and they're, I mean, this obviously won't last right now. They're all five stars, which feels very, uh, very cool, but that's been going well. And I thought maybe we could talk some about the numbers. I, I was listening to our episode last week and we talked a lot about building in public and how most of my audience isn't really that build in public audience. And so Mm -hmm. it feels kind of weird to talk about it. But then we also said like of my audience that is build in public, like interested in that world. A lot of those type of people are probably listeners to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I kind of figured maybe this is like a little safe space where I can talk a little bit about those numbers that I maybe wouldn't because it's not like they're a big secret. I just feel weird talking about them to like everyone that follows me because a lot of people aren't going to care about that. Yeah, exactly. I think like this is kind of like our crew that gets it with the, yeah. the, the weekly build. And it's a safe kind space. Of that indie. Yeah, safe space. Exactly. I think the other thing that's interesting is and, and we've said this quite a few times that you know, you're working on your book and I'm working on a SaaS product and they feel kind of like completely different products. But one of the things I love is that we can kind of learn from those two different product worlds because there is a bit of overlap. You know, you're talking about reviews for the book and that really helps. And for a SaaS product, getting testimonials, I guess it's it's still a review, right? But we just call it like testimonials or um, Mm -hmm. same thing, but that really helps as well if you put it on your website. And you have a website for your book too, which is a little bit different than some other authors. Like you've got the tech skills to make all this stuff around the book, like an experience and a marketing sort of landing page around the book. And there's a lot of similarities when you actually look at it. The big difference would be yours is kind of like a one-time purchase in a way, and mm-hmm. SaaS obviously being subscription, but there's still stuff you can learn going back and forth. So 
yeah, I think you talking about your numbers is there could be stuff to learn from that too if you're a SaaS founder. And if you're a book writer, author, maybe there's stuff you can learn from the SaaS world. So Yeah, I think it all just sort of mixes together in that whole like that creator online maker space, because there's a lot of kind of overlap. Because I did the book because I was doing other stuff online and it just sort mm-hmm. of felt like a natural progression of all that. But yeah, to kind of dive into the numbers a little bit, first off, I, I wanna say I had kind of an, a mindset shift that happened kind of right as the week was starting. Initially, I, I knew that like I wasn't really trying to get on any like bestseller list because like the numbers were so far above anything that I was expecting to get. And so, and like stuff like the New York Times bestseller list, like it isn't really a bestseller list. It's much more editorialized, like they're picking and choosing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wasn't worried about it. I was, I'm definitely this whole time I've been thinking long-term, like I kind of have like a two-year window. Like I worked, it took me two years to write the book. And now I want to give the book another two years on the other side of giving it a chance to be as successful as possible. So I kind of have like a a loose like two year plan for marketing it. Mm -hmm. So going into the launch week, I was like, I'm not gonna worry about a list or anything like that. I'm just gonna try and have a good launch and then keep it going from there. But then last second, I kind of had a thought of like, what would I do differently if I was trying to make a list? Mm -hmm. Because that still isn't like the goal or anything. Like, I don't think I'm going to, but what would I do differently that would help like increase the amount of sales this week? And so I already had like several like bonuses. So if you buy the book, you can like, we talked about this a few weeks ago, like you can send in your receipt to an email and then that will get you like a discussion guide, a template strategies that you can print out and stuff like that. And what I decided was like, I'll do an extra bonus for this week only where, which unfortunately by the time you hear this, like this bonus is over. So I'm just talking about (laughs) it, not to try and get you to buy the book, but to hear what I did for this first week. You know, I did a, an online course earlier this year, a cohort course that I led and I'm, I added that as a bonus. So for this week, if you buy the book and do the bonus thing, you'll get access to the recordings from this course. And then I kind of pushed that because that felt like oh, this is the sort of thing that if I was trying to make a list, I would do a big bonus to kind of get people to want to buy it right away. And the thing I like about that is that it's not a discount, it's a bonus. Yes. Because it's very easy for, I see, and I do this as well, like we actually haven't been doing this the past, in this whole year pretty much, but the year before we were doing discounts, like 20% off. We still do a couple like coupons every now and again, but it's not like we're doing massive sales and advertising a sale. And obviously, like, so what you're doing is like, it's more like you get more stuff. Yes. You're not losing revenue from it. You're just giving stuff that you've already created in the past right. as a bonus. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I know there, I have heard on like some podcasts and stuff, they recommend like, you should launch with your book at 99 cents and yeah, that wow, will, that's... so many more people will buy it. And I'm like, I, that does not make any sense to me. Like, it just feels like devaluing the book on the launch when you have the most excitement for it like that the logic for that just didn't add up for me like that might be something i do in the future i don't know about 99 cents but i might do you know a black friday sale like maybe i'll discount like 50 percent off or something like i have no idea i don't have plans for that yet but that is something more likely that makes sense for me um but anyway so I, I promise numbers, so let's go into the numbers yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I kind of had two main goals with the book. I had a short-term goal and a long-term goal. My short-term goal was I want to – so I have my launch in the middle of September, and then October is ADHD Awareness Month. So it was like that really like dovetails really nicely where I can have the launch, 
push that through to October. And then hopefully that leads to just like, that's like a good launch window. Um, so my, my short-term goal was to sell a thousand copies by the end of October. That's what I was pushing for. And then my longer term goal, like I mentioned, like two years, which is about a hundred weeks. So my long-term goal was to hit 10,000 copies sold in two years, which works out to basically like a hundred copies a week, a hundred weeks, which is 10,000 copies total. So that was sort of my long-term goal. And part of that is based on, I've like heard, there's like stats that show like, if you sell 10,000 copies, you're like 45% chance that you're going to eventually sell a hundred thousand copies. And it kind of like compounds that way, you know, cause the more people that have the book, especially if it's more a recommendable book it. and they talk about it. Exactly. I can hundred percent confirm yeah. the compounding effects. Cause we've seen that with Llama Life too. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's great. And obviously we're subscription, so it does compound from that perspective, but just in terms of people talking about it, the effort that you have to put in marketing it, to get the same result. Like you still want to put in effort marketing, but to get the same result is less effort because other people are helping you do that work. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of that, like you want that like word of mouth engine to start yeah. like to, to start running on its own. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, that was kind of my goal is like, I want to hit that 10,000 copies, 10,000 copies. Sorry, what are you doing? I'm hearing oh, can you something. Hear that? Yes, it's very distracting. I'm doing the Rubik's cube. <laughs> You're doing the Rubik's cube. Oh my god! I was but, like, but, it's not a keyboard, but what is happening? I didn't think you could hear it. Okay, that's good to know. Well, sorry, yeah. Ian, you can edit this out or or leave it in, whatever. But <laughs> I'm actually I'm still listening. So I don't know if yeah. you've experienced this, but like sometimes to help me focus, I have to distract the half of my brain that would distract me. This is me. so funny. This is so funny. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, okay. So Absolutely. I've told this to a few, okay. Maybe leave this in, but like I've told this to a few people and non ADHD people and they don't get it, but mm. the other, so it's, it's the same as listening to music. So if I'm, sometimes I listen to music that has words and a lot of people are like, but how can you concentrate if it's got words? And I'm like, well, it's because half of my brain's singing along, but that's the half of my brain. That was, is the, the part that is actually distracting me. Like I have to distract that part of my brain. Uh-huh, so the other uh-huh. half of my brain can actually focus. And it sounds so weird, but like it really works for me. So I can be singing to a song and still writing code. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's why I'm doing this. It's like, uh, so yeah, it's, this is, it's so funny because this is literally the third time I've talked about this thing today. I was explaining it with uh, a family member earlier today about kind of describing this thing of like, there's part of my brain that distracts me. It's like looking for something to do. And so what I have to do, yeah, I I have to keep that part of my brain busy. I have to give it something to do because if I don't give it to do something to do, it's going to be trying to find something that's going to be distracting me all over the place. Exactly. What is that called? Is there a name? I was talking about that this morning and then like the same thing. Like that's why a lot of times I listen to music or I have the TV on in the background or something like that. Cause I'm like trying to like, placate that that part of my brain yeah, like give yeah. it something to do so that the rest of me can focus on the thing i need to do yes so i had that conversation this morning and then i recorded a like a, i was on a podcast today and recorded and we were talking about that and then the host that i was talking to who also had adhd pulled up their rubik's cube that looks just like the one that you have and he's like this <laughs> okay, is what i like- do to distract that part of my brain yeah it's exactly like one of those types of uh rubik's cubes i like these ones uh, people can't see obviously because it's because it's a yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. But i'm holding up my rubik's cube it's got um the full panel is is a color 
Like it hasn't got. There's, I got this old, the old school one, which is like the black box. Oh yeah, so the, the old school ones, like all it's black and it's got a bunch of colored stickers on. Yeah, it so this is actually colors, each yeah. panel is like the actual. Yeah, that looks color. like a nice one. Yeah. It's a it's a speed one. I'm not mm. that fast. I'm like maybe a minute and something. <laughs> not as you're talking because that's like I'm yeah, just trying yeah, to yeah. like distract myself. I'll go back to this thing. This I got this other <laughs> thing that's more silent. <laughs> this other feature thing. Awesome. Anyway, okay, sorry, I totally to lost where what, we are. Oh, so I haven't talked about any of my actual numbers. So I talked about my goals. So <laughs> can't yeah, this is perfect. Where we were. Okay. Yeah, this is perfect. All right. Okay, so okay. so my short term goal, a thousand copies by the end of October. Long term goal, ten thousand copies within two years. So and a lot of this is kind of based on um, you know, I read the book, Write Useful Books, great book, highly recommended by Rob Fitzpatrick. And he's the author of The Mom Test as well. And he talks mm -hmm. about with the mom test. He like right after he wrote the book, like really early on, he did a talk and he gave out a thousand copies. And then he said he basically did hardly any marketing after that. But because it was such a recommendable book and it solved like kind of it was v about a very specific problem, a lot of people recommended it from then and it just grew and grew and grew. And that whole word of mouth engine catchy title as well. So that's my goal, like hit a thousand within a month and a half. So this week has happened. I'm four days in and I like blew past that goal. I've been doing amazing, real good. It's been, it's been so awesome. And the feedback's been really positive. And I think as a recording on Friday, I've got 2,500 sales. So I've hit 25% of my two year goal just in this launch week, which has mm -hmm. been pretty uh pretty incredible and i'm very very thankful and excited and i'm like oh man i i might be able to hit that ten thousand goal within a year like what can yeah. i hit in two years now i'm like like ex do i need to expand the goal like what do i do now i think you're gonna hit it before that but for me the main thing would be to keep the momentum up because obviously yeah. it's, it's launch week mm -hmm. so it's big and you know it's just like that product hunt launch that we talked about like people do the product hunt launch and then they get all this traffic and then they it's like but did you plan post launch because that's like almost just as important because you got to build on that traffic on that momentum right mm -hmm. yeah and mm -hmm. i mean you're talking about two year marketing plans so like you you are obviously thinking about it long term but i think that's where so many people fall down they're just like i launched great and then it's like well did you do anything after? Because you're just going to have a spike and it's going to go back down to like zero. Right. If you don't do anything after. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely like a question I'm like asking myself too, because I do have some sort of, you know, I have plans in mind, but part mm -hmm. of me is like, what does next month look like? Like, is it going to like fall off a cliff or is it going to maintain? Because I already am hearing like people say like, I got it and I loved it and I recommended it to my sister or I mm -hmm. gave a copy to my friend and like things like that. And I'm like, yes, that is the best thing to hear that people are recommending. Like, cause that's what the goal, you know, for it to have a long-term effect is that it's something people recommend. So hearing that is very like encouraging. So we've sort of talked about two different things here, which is compounding effect, which seems like, you know, you launch and then you don't do much after and it keeps compounding. Mm -hmm. That is one side of it. And then now we just talked about like, hey, you launch and you don't do anything after launch and it goes back to zero. So just to clarify that like a little bit, the compounding effect for me is a very long-term compounding effect. Yeah. So I'm not talking about like, but in the short term, if you launch and do, don't do anything, it's not going to compound. Like you kind of need to keep going a little bit you need to keep doing stuff for it to compound, but eventually it does compound. 
Right. Because like for me, like what I'm doing, what, what's happening this launch week with 2,500 copies, which feels amazing. What I now have theoretically is like 2,500 people that ha- there's almost like this countdown happening now for them, for the people that, that enjoyed it and thought this was a good solution. Yeah. Now it's like it might be eight months from now when they're talking with a friend and their friend mentions yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I might have this ADHD. And then they're like, boom, I've got the answer. And so it's like all that isn't going to happen next month. But it's like every copy that goes out is like another lottery ticket for somebody having the solution for another person to recommend it to at some point in the future. Yeah, that is so true. And, and so people aren't here, but I was like nodding profusely because we, <laughs> we've seen this as well. So you just never know when it's going to come back mm-hmm. to help you. But you will never have a shot of that if you don't do something. Right. So you have to put the effort in. But sometimes the effort doesn't feel like instant gratification because at the time it doesn't come back. And you're like, oh, I put in all that effort and it did nothing. But but actually what happens is like later it comes back. And I think a good example of this is say SEO. So SEO, you do all this work and you write blog pieces and you're like, oh, nothing happened. But then later it comes back. Or the example that you said that, you know, somebody really liked your product and then six months later they tweeted about it or they recommended it and then it comes back that way. I think we set ourselves up for, like, disappointment when we expect something to happen immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it does, but, like, a lot of the time it doesn't. And I sent out a cold email. This is a long time ago now, but I sent out this cold email and with that one, like, two years later the guy wrote back to me. <laughs> two right. years and then we ended up doing like a, a a small newsletter it was a newsletter sponsorship thing like i reached out and i said hey i love your newsletter would it make sense to put llama life in there heard absolutely nothing and then two years later that guy wrote back to me and we ended up doing the sponsorship right right, right. that was like a very i mean that's a bit edge case but i was like oh wait and I looked at the the date. I'm like, wait, this was how long ago? <laughs> but yeah, but but the point is like it can come back and you just put the work in, you know. But but have checks in there to make sure it's the right work. There is an exception to this rule, which is if you're not doing the right type of work, then yeah, that's not coming back. Right. Like if you don't target the right the right audience, like that's not coming back, you know, like to help you. That's wasted effort. Yeah, totally. Like another thing that's sort of related with this, like I was talking, I think a couple of weeks ago about reaching out to influencers, um, like people that I'm aware of and connected with and sending, you know, I, I sent out, I don't know, like 60 copies of my book or something to a bunch of different people that, you know, have their own audience. And a lot of them have done stuff, which has been amazing, like just posting a photo of like them holding the book or whatever. And some of them haven't done anything. And maybe they never will, which is fine. It was like sent no expectation. Or maybe they get the book, it sits on a shelf, and then two months later, they happen to look at it and enjoy it and then post something. That's like another one of those things where I have like kind of all these like little like lottery tickets that are out there of like, because like maybe like one of these people is connected with another person and they recommend it. And then suddenly like that other person mentions it's kind of like when... I had no idea that like Casey Neistat was following me on Twitter, but he at some point started reading some of my stuff and then he posted this video that mentioned me at the end. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I had no idea. Like there was no like plan of like, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff and hope that Casey Neistat posts a thing about me. Like that wasn't even on the radar at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was some one of those things where I was just putting content out and it connected with him in a way that it 
hit this huge, larger audience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so much of what I'm doing with the book is trying to capture that, just trying to get it out there and have those little lottery tickets so that hopefully the right person can recommend it and growing from there. I like the lottery ticket analogy, but I also like just like a seed analogy where you're planting lots of seeds and some yeah, of those will grow yeah. and some won't. I actually, I think I like the seed analogy slightly more because the lottery analogy means like, <laughs> it sort of feels low effort. Like, hey, I, I bought a lottery ticket and I expect, there's a chance I could win, but I just, all I had to do was buy it. Whereas the seed thing is like, you've got to plant the seed, you've got to water it a bit. You know, some will grow, some won't. Like there's external factors like the sun, the weather, all that stuff. Like it feels a little bit more like I'm trying to nurture this thing. And, you know, look, some of them will grow, some won't. But the lottery ticket still works too. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, the chances are slim sometimes, but when you hit big, maybe that's the lottery analogy. It's like sometimes... You think there's a small chance, but something big happens, like the Casey Neistat thing. That's like mm-hmm. a suddenly very rare thing that you weren't expecting, and it was massive. Whereas the seed analogy is a bit more steady, like some stuff could grow, some stuff might not, but the seed right. still grows kind of slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both work. I think they're they're both sort of uh, two sides of the same coin in, in a way. Cool. <laughs> oh, and I did want to mention another thing. We talked a little bit about this off air, but like I mentioned adding the bonus for this week. And I've definitely seen that that's had an effect because the percentage of people that have like followed up, you know, to get the bonuses, whether you do it this week or not, to get any of the bonuses, you email your receipt to a certain email address. And I have a whole autoresponder set up for that. Yeah, which we talked about in a previous episode, if anyone's interested in setting it up. So prior to the actual launch, I was getting about like, 20, 25% of people were doing that. So out of every like 100 pre-orders, about 25 people would go Mm -hmm. ahead and do that forward to get the bonuses, which felt pretty good. Like that seems pretty high that people are going, taking that extra step to get the bonus material. Mm -hmm. But now that I've like announced the course thing, which is part of that thing, you have to email this thing to get access to that course. That number has gone up a lot to where it's like closer to like probably 45 or 50% of people that have bought the book have gone ahead and done that, which is huge jump. Like that to me, like you never know completely, but to me that feels like the most obvious uh, difference that has made an impact of people taking that extra step because they really want access to the, this, you know, limited time available thing. Mm-hmm. So that, that there's, there's something about that. Yeah. There's the FOMO, the scarcity that really, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people probably won't even watch the course just cause that's kind of how, you know, people are, but they have access to it and they want it. The best thing is like, this is work you've already done. It's not, mm-hmm. co- it's not creating a ton of extra work for you, but you're creating a ton of extra value for someone else. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it works. Like you're not losing revenue either. It's not like you're going, hey, I'll give you more value by discounting this thing by 50%. It's like, no, you stay the same revenue, but just use, basically use what you've already got is, is yeah. like a really good tactic. Just think about what you have and then try and use that if it helps. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. So that's how things are going with the book. Very exciting week. Had a lot of fun. What's going on as we're kind of wrapping up the episode, but what's going on with Llama Life? Yeah, so this week's been, it's been an interesting week. It's just a weird one where like we've been doing a lot of stuff, but it sort of feels like I don't have anything to show for it yet. We've made heaps of progress on the mobile app and I've been doing a lot of design work because we're redesigning the UI in the mobile app to make it more mobile friendly. 
And then we'll probably put some of those changes into the web app too, because the web app is not, it's not a typical web app where you're using like the full screen of a desktop, like say Trello, right? So Trello mobile app, Trello's got like a lot of columns. And when you look at Trello on the desktop, you see like 10 columns across your screen. And on right. mobile, you see one and you've got to scroll. Llama Life is kind of a bit of an odd one because when you look at Llama Life on a desktop, you still see like one thin column. Like we actually give you like a sliver of the screen. So it already is kind of like a mobile format. You still have more screen real estate when you're looking on a desktop and you're obviously dealing with mouse clicks and not taps and swipes. So there is, there are still a couple of differences, but I think we'll probably take some of the mobile UI and put it into the web as well, if it makes sense. So I'm really trying to think like, what is someone's experience going to be like? Because we already see people trying to switch between mobile and web, even though we don't have a proper mobile app, people are using it on their phone anyway. So I know that's going to happen. Right. But yeah, I think it's just like a weird week for us because we have made a ton of progress, but I just feel, I think it's just in my head. I think I think of progress as like shipping stuff sometimes and we haven't shipped something. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, but we have made progress. So, you know, it's still good, but I, I've just got to rewire my brain to, to think of progress differently. I mean, part of that is just like, as a product or an app like grows, like that's necessarily going to be the case where you're not going to release as often because each new feature has to consider everything that came before it. And so each new feature like takes longer and kind of slows things down. Yeah. And so there's a lot more thought that needs to happen. Whereas the beginning, you know, move fast and break things. Like you can do all sorts, you can release stuff a lot faster. Yeah. One, there's the, like, I don't know if move fast and break things is the right analogy, but like there's less things to break. And so it's really easy to add new stuff. And there, mm-hmm. there's a lot more room for that. And as you grow, it becomes a little bit trickier to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then the other thing I did, which we, we don't have to get into, because I think it's a whole new topic, but there's a lot of behind the scenes like tech stack stuff that I was upgrading because what well, I had to, I don't normally upgrade unless I have to. Mm-hmm. So some of the tech that we're using is, is a bit older. Like it's, it's just like an older version because it works. That's fine. But I had to upgrade node and it just broke everything. <laughs> so frustrating. I had to upgrade it because um, the mobile version is like react native and it's using like it needed node 20 or something. And I was on node 15 for the web. And there's like a breaking change between like, I think it happened from node 17. And anyway, it's a long story, but like the underlying issue wasn't really node, it was Webpack. And I was just like, oh my God, what is going on here? Like it literally couldn't build. And then I got it to build and I was like, great. And I pushed an update to production because I thought it was fine, but then something else was broken. And I'm like, oh, wait, no. what is going on? It was like sound was broken. I'm like, that's a big part of our app. And I'm like, what's going on? So I had to revert that change. So that's why I feel like this week was like all this behind the scenes stuff. We pushed something out, we had to revert it. And I'm like, okay, so I feel like we didn't make progress even though we sort of did. But um, yeah, Node, man, like <laughs> I, I hate doing updates like this because the customer doesn't see any of this and they don't care about any of this. Mm-hmm. So it feels like all this effort for really nothing that outwardly people will notice. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just, without going way into it, I totally empathize. Like dealing with node versions dri- oh, drives me nuts. It is so like NVM, I'm having mm-hmm. to use it all the time. And I feel like half the time I'm just like, 
I don't know, does 16 work? No, let's try 17. Let's try 19. I'm just like jumping around like, which one of these yeah, is yeah. going to make it work? Do you know work? how many I've got installed on, on NVM at the moment? So yeah, all of them. <laughs> but but then the one, then I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just roll it back. And, and I tried to go back to the one that I had before, but it's not available on the M1, like the Silicon um, oh, Max anymore. Yeah. And the only reason I had it on my Silicon Mac is because pre my previous Mac was was a really old one and it was installed on there. And when I got my new Mac, I transferred stuff over through the Mac transfer and it transferred the Node version over. So it was on there and it was fine. But I can't install it brand new onto a Silicon Mac. And I'm like, no, I need this old crappy version. So, so, now, so now I'm committed to going to a new version, but there's all these things I need to fix in order for that new version to work. And that stuff's really frustrating for me because, like I said, I feel like no one else cares or will notice this, but I need it. And I feel mm. like I'm spending all my time doing that when, you know, I'd rather be building a feature or something. Right. I'm just, I'm just curious. The issue that you're running, does it does it happen to be the digital envelope routines unsupported? Yes. Is that yes. the issue? Oh That's my God. the issue. Can we talk about this later <laughs> off air maybe? Like, I, this, oh, my this God. This thing plagues that... me. It's, it drives me nuts. And it's, yeah, it's a whole issue with Node and yeah. the versions changing and the M1 Max. And, oh my god, oh that my is gosh, exactly the issue. The <laughs> but it's a webpack issue. Yeah. Oh, so I'll talk about it after. But like, yeah, that is the exact error. And I'm like, go away. I was and like, the, go the, away. Like, there, there's like there, there's a Stack <laughs> Overflow that has like all these comments that are all like, this is the solution. No, it ain't, buddy. <laughs> that is not the solution. Yeah. There's yeah, so yeah. many like solutions in there. I've I've gone through that page so many times because it, it just like it comes back up again like every mm -hmm. couple months. I've oh, run what? into this. Oh, well, hopefully oh, not for you. God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm getting like, oh, I'm having a physical reaction to this. That thing is yeah. bugging me so much. Yeah, and like I said, you don't know how many versions of Node I got. I'm like, go for the, what is it, the LT, like, you know, the stable version or whatever, the long-term, yeah. whatever. I'm like, okay, go on that. And like, okay, I'm going to go for ones in between as well. And now I've got all these, thank God for NVM, but I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many versions can I have? Like, maybe this one will be the lucky one. Oh, man. And now we'll, I feel we'll have to uh, share notes off on this issue. Yeah. I, I, I kind of got to the point where I feel like I'm just, like, trying random stuff now. But I really should get back to, okay, what do I think the core issue is? But I got so frustrated. I was just installing all these different versions going, maybe this one will work. Oh, maybe that yeah. one will work. You know, oh, which is a bad gosh. way of solving stuff but i just got to that point where i was pulling my hair out mm. anyway that is the if anyone is listening to this and they have the solution <laughs> please let us know the other issue was it was um llama life was based off create react app and webpack is bundled in create react app so you can't configure webpack outside of that the only way to update webpack is to update create react app and i've tried that too and that is partly causing the issue with that solved the digital envelope issue, but then mm. it created like all these other issues. Anyway, so we're way me, over time. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. Yeah, we got, we're wrapping up, but yeah, just in case so someone else is doing yeah, yeah. this is the, now I'm the next guy on that Stack Overflow issue. I'm like, this is what solved it for me. So I'm going to pass it on. Are you, you posted on it? No, I didn't actually post. I'm oh, just okay, saying okay, like okay. now I'm another person that's saying like, sure. this is the solution. Okay. Yeah. But for yeah. what worked for me was doing like basically adding an option and just typing it in. 
export node options and then mm -hmm. add open SSL legacy provider. So yeah, there's a yeah, bunch of like dashes in there, but that flag. was the one okay, that yeah, yeah. finally, that adding that flag is what made okay. it work for me. So I have come across the open SSL thing as like part of the problem. Yeah, because there's like an old version where it changes support. Anyway, we're way in the weeds. Okay, so I'm gonna we I'm gonna try that because because <laughs> if that just fixes everything else, then I'm happy to. I, I sort of I hate the idea of having to put that flag in. But, I know. But um, and this is on the this is on the run script, right? Like you go, it, you, yeah. you add that flag to that, like when you go npm uh, run. Yes, that as well. I yeah, both because I was doing it. I was okay. trying to do local dev, and I was running into the issue, so it okay, wasn't okay. part of the build script. But yes, send me the link after, yeah. and I'll try it. <laughs> And if anyone else is listening to this and feels the frustration, please let us know as well because I'm like pulling my hair out on it's this the issue. It's worse when this sort of stuff happens. I, I think we just all need to switch to Bun and that'll fix everything. That's what that's yeah, what Yeah, I have no me. idea what Bun is. I keep seeing it everywhere. I have to look it up, but I just keep seeing this. I don't know what is it like. A, is it like a dim sum or something? All it solves all your problems. It's this, way fast and does the everything. Icon, the icon looks like a dim. Maybe it's not a dim sum. I don't know, but it looks like something I would eat. <laughs> okay, I'll look up Bun later, but yeah, I've seen Bun all over my Twitter. I'm like, what is this? I don't have time to look into it right now. Cool. Well, on that note, let's, yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Have a great week, and I hope you have no more issues with the uh, digital envelope routines. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope your solution works. Thank you. All right. I'll see you next week. Bye. All right. Bye.